0: um we're kind of like in our little own little mini plague going on everybody's <laughs> a lot of people sick <clears throat> but we're we're getting better a lot of a lot of people are getting better so. i was i was kind of sick this week well i was pretty sick really sick this week and then i got better and uh, rukashem <clears throat> so But then last night, my wife and and my baby got sick, <laughs> and Virgil, they all got sick like around the same time. And Charity was sick like what a week, last couple weeks ago. And they, yeah, some of the other ones were sick last week, so they're kind of like getting past But um, so this week, um, we're going over bow. Um, the, the word bow means come. And so the word within the, within the phrasing there, it says, come to Pharaoh, which means go, you know, go talk to Pharaoh. Um, Another interesting little thing I learned last night, it's come the word bow means the numerical value of bow is three. And and the sages like to connect that with um, the three final, final plagues that are given in that, in that portion of both. We can't try to connect everything together. <clears throat> so here we're, we're in Exodus, and uh, um, I'm reading from a, um, Rabbi Hammer's book. Um, what's it called? The, a Year with the Sages. So, Rabbi Hammer wrote this book, but he, he kind of grabbed a little piece. It's kind of like a little devotion, essentially. So, um, so, um, so from Exodus, um, I'll read. They, they take, they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they are to eat for that night. I will go through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And I will met out punishment, uh, punishments to all the gods of Egypt. I, the Lord, and the blood on the houses where you are stained shall be a sign for you. When you see the blood, u- ufa- ufa- ufasa- Ufasati, that's the, that's the term, Ufasati, I will protect you. So, I will protect you. Ufasati means I will protect you so that no plague will, come, will destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Moses then summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, pick out the lambs for your families and slaughter a Pesach, the Pesach offering. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood that is in the basin, and apply some of the blood that is in the basin to the lintel and to the two doorposts. None of you shall go outside the door of his house until morning. For when the Lord goes through to smite the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts. And the Lord, Ufasa, will protect the door and not let the destroyer enter, the, enter and smite your home. And when, you, and when your children ask you, what do you mean by this rite? You shall say, it is the Pesach sacrifice to the Lord, because he protected Passah the houses of the Israelites in Egypt, when he smote the Egyptians, but saved our houses. so um so in this translation in this translation they they translated that word fasa um to mean protect but as as we know usually that word is translated as passover right because that's the word we use in english and so i think it's i thought it was pretty interesting so then then they're going to um um I mean, the shot of this, of this verses is, is, you know, there's a plague. That's the, the worst plague that has ever hit Egypt has come. Um, and the Egyptians had to, had to take in a lamb into their home for a few days, um, which was, which in and it of itself was kind of a, a, a um, what do you call it? A, not a good thing. Not a thing you shouldn't do according to Egyptian thing. And, um, so they did that, and then they also sacrificed that lamb, which is. And I think the, I think the lamb or the sheep was like some type of god or some, some kind of god for the Egyptians. So by doing this, it was like all in the face of the Egyptians, like look it, your gods mean nothing, you know, that kind of thing. <clears throat> and um, so the whole the whole idea of Pesach was pretty much against the Egyptians, and showing that Hashem was going to protect them. Um, then the sages had something to say, or they like to, they're going to break down these verses. So, um, so I'll start here. It says, shall be a sign for you, a sign for you and not me, a sign for you and not for others. When I see the blood, Rabbi Ishmael would say, it, it is not everything is not everything revealed before God. So that, you know, saying when I see the blood, but as Shem speaking, when I see the blood, the Rabbi Ishmael would say, is not everything revealed before God? Then what then can the meaning of when I see the blood as a reward for your performance of the commandment of slaughtering the lamb and applying the blood? I will reveal myself and care for you as it is said, Uf, ufasa, ufa, ufasati. Alechim and fasati, fasati means to care to care for and protect as we see in the verse like the birds that fly, even so will the Lord of hosts shield ussha shielding and saving pasach, and protecting and rescuing um, that's found in Isaiah 31 verse five when I see the blood, I see the blood of the binding of Isaac, as it is said, and Abraham named the site, Adonai, the Lord will see, Genesis 22, verse 14. I will protect. Rabbi Joshua said, read not Ufasati, but Ufasati, step over. For the Lord skipped over the houses of the Israelites and in Egypt, as it is said, hark, my beloved, here he comes, skipping over mountains, bounding over hills. That's found in Songs of Songs, verse chapter 2, verse 8. And Rabbi Jonathan says, I will protect you. You, you will I, God, protect. But I will not protect the Egyptians. So, you know, the early sages had different ideas about these words and about the, this meaning of this, these verses. Um, it seems like Rabbi Jonathan, um, sorry, Rabbi Joshua was the was the only one that kind of interpreted ter- it as Passover or passing over, skipping over. I mean, it seems like the other ones, Ishmael and um, Rabbi Jonathan, um, they all they all translated it as uh, protecting. So I think it's interesting that we we take the, well, maybe there's others, I don't know, but this in this section, you know, only one of them has translated as Passover. Um, but I, I thought it was interesting because I have always known it as Passover only. I've never really known it as protect. Um, so I think that, that's pretty, that's pretty interesting for me to learn a different way, different way to learn about it, a <clears throat> different meaning. Um, and obviously he, he did protect, and I feel like I feel like the reason why the rabbis translated it that way is so that it would be more of a proactive thing that Hashem was doing as opposed to just um, um, not doing something. He's actually doing something to protect as opposed to just skipping over or they're passing over. Um, I think that's why they did that. And, um, and then... Um, and then Rabbi Hammer like added his own little personal idea or his personal experience. So he said, when he was a youth, um, he he helped, he tried to help people that were in um, Russia, the Jews in Russia to to get to Egypt, to get to Israel, <clears throat> kind of like another exodus, right, out of out of Russia this time. And um, um, it was a it was a time when they were um, still. Um, communist and so they didn't have they, it wasn't it wasn't free wasn't allowed they, they weren't really allowed to leave so he had, they had to do all these kind of little things to to get them out and he said he got quite a few out but um but there were still some that left behind and um and um he was he was kind of sad about that but <clears throat> but then then later on when i guess when communism fell they all they all were able to he would. He was able to see them in Israel, as opposed to see them in in Russia. He and so I guess his connection was that um, he kind of felt like he was a little bit kind of like Moses in that he was trying to like get people um, free free from a, a tyrannical kind of like government or, or place and get them back into the land of Egypt. And so I, I guess. He has more of a personal personal um connection with that I know. me i have no no connection <laughs> I've lived in America've been you know blessed and spoiled you know <clears throat> but um you know who knows maybe one day we might have to flee this land as well, so we, we should always be prepared um and I know right now Israel is not the not the most free of nations it seems. To me, um, however, it you know it could be in the future. We don't know. Could be better than any any of the U.S. So we don't know yet. When Mashiach comes, definitely. Um, um, you know, right now though, I feel like you know where we are in Texas. Maybe some of the other southern states. Um, we're pretty. We're we still have our freedoms, and we're still. Well, we're still blessed here. Um, and even especially with the, with the, um, the anti-abortion stuff that we're doing here and what, I think it's, we're being blessed here in this in this state. Um, and I just feel like if that's ever taken away or we're, you know, it's, it's somehow our, we get bad, bad people in our government, in our, in our, in our state government, um, you know, it could change. So we've got to be, you know, at least ready, you know, continue to be active in what we can do and continue to teach those around us that you know, the truths that we know. But um, but we also have to be ready to flee, I guess, to flee to Israel You know, when the time comes. Uh, I mean, hopefully by then they will be more free than we are. <laughs> I mean, I have friends that, I mean, I have, I work for Grizz Israeli company and uh, my friends there in Israel and they're, they're, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty bad, pretty bad. Uh, there's a lot of forced things that they're being forced to do over there. I I still want to, I need to talk to them more because um, I only hear what the news says and well, what they say, but I, I'm wondering if they're, if they're just doing it to be compliant, you know, my friend, the friends that I have there, or if, or if they really are being kind of forced to do things, yeah. You know? um, I know what I know like the opinion of one is more outspoken, and she seems to be more compliant about stuff. And so I need to talk to some of my other friends there and see, like, is it really? Can you really, you know, like maybe just not do things, you know, that kind of, So I have to ask him. But um, anyway, so you know, with this, with you know, with the, the times we are in, and how you know, Pesach is is coming up. It's you know, Hashem gives us multiple times to hear the Pesach story. You know, we hear it, we hear it now, and then we hear it again during Pesach. You know, and and it seems like we it comes up throughout the year. You know, um, to flee Egypt. You know, to, to flee Egypt to let Hashem protect you. You know, and and we need to just keep that in our mind. Keep you know, keep that story close to us and know that we are different, you know, we are special, you know, and we and Hashem wants to um, continue to use us as His servants and use us as people, you know, maybe um, continue to be shining lights in this world for him. You know. <clears throat> um, I don't know if anybody else, anything to share? Just, briefly,
1: just <laughs> something to <real quick. laughs> Yes, <laughs> About shalom, family. Um, so I just want to share something briefly just to bring some encouragement in light of so much anti-Semitism and just a spirit of doubt in general, especially in our American culture right now where everyone says, why believe in anything? Mm -hmm. Um, If you are not familiar with Rabbi Chaim Richman, he's the previous director for the Temple Institute, and he has a wonderful ministry called Jerusalem Lights. You can find him online. Mm -hmm. And there is a weekly podcast that he does with an Egyptologist. So I want to share a little bit about what I learned last week, because when we're so bombarded with doubt, one of the greatest things that, doubters will try to accuse us of is the story of the Exodus Mm -hmm. to go back to, um, talking about all these plagues being against the gods, the Ram God of Egypt. I think he was like Musha or something. I'm going to terribly mess up the name. I don't remember what the Egyptians Ram God was, Mm -hmm. but he was the God of life. Mm -hmm. And that is why Hashem had to attack the God of life at the finality with the death of the firstborn. Mm -hmm. But I want to share this, that when people are telling us that the word of Hashem, the Torah, these things did not really happen. The Egyptologist uh, had shared that there is a famous scroll. It's called the Ebor Papyrus. And the Ebor Papyrus goes back to the old kingdom, which is believed to be the time frame of when the Exodus happened. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a Egyptian secular scroll that was found in the tombs. And in that scroll, it details every single one of these plagues. The family that they believe that was in power at that time, when they unearthed their tombs, the entire family is covered in scars from boils. So I want to share that, that there is plenty of historical and archaeological evidence out there to prove the Torah and all these great wonders that Hashem has done. And I know that... um, many people who are strong believers in Hashem still can be susceptible because especially we get weak in spite of our circumstances. And we say, when is Mashiach coming? And, but I want to encourage you that do not have doubt in this time. Be faithful. Even secular records prove that Hashem did mighty works. And he says that in the latter days, what he did in Egypt won't even be spoken of because what he does in the latter days will be even greater.
0: Do
2: you gentlemen, have anything to share? Back to I have
3: something. This is like a, yeah, one second
2: okay. So I just thought this is interesting, but like uh, I was as I was reading the portion, I was like thinking about um, this video that I was watching on like literature, and uh, it was talking about like different like collateral damage and like um known plays that are like like pretty old but like i think there's like a lot about that here too like uh, because pharaoh's hubris is like what causes the people to not be let go and then uh shem hardens his heart so then he can perform his signs on him but like well pharaoh's having his heart hardened. It actually mentions that his couriers were uh, also having their hearts hardened. And then I just thought it was interesting that like it says that, but uh, at the same time, it also says that uh, Pharaoh's courtiers said to him, how long shall this one snare us? Let, Let the men go and worship the Lord of their God. Are you not aware that Egypt is lost? So I think that it was like, uh, it, I, even at a certain point, like, even the people around Pharaoh started realizing that, like, this is, like, there, there's not an amount of, like, their hearts were hardened, but even they, then they could realize. And then Pharaoh was just so blinded, and then he caused so much damage to all these people around them. And it wasn't like the people that to completely... Um, uh, innocent, because the, as we know, whenever the uh, the Israelites left, there were the Egyptians that left the with them, so they could have uh, turned around and avoided some of these things, or just like repented and tried to um, become part of the people of Israel, but um, that's call it. um, it's really, like, you, you can see this, like, you're in, like collateral damage just applies in, like, a lot of situations, like, even in, like, the Our normal day-to-day life like obviously people's decisions don't only affect them and other people's decisions affect like a lot of people and if you're like at the wrong place at the wrong time with the like around the wrong people that could obviously affect you and i just thought that was really interesting like tying that back into this week that what i was looking at all right thank you all right
4: piggy
0: you had something What's
4: it? why not? It's interesting that the Drash was saying about the Egyptian scroll because when I was growing up, we went to a reform synagogue and they were trying to prove that the plagues were basically scientific, like why did the Egyptians have boils? Well, the Hebrews would wash with soap and water and the Egyptians would just put oils on themselves and not bathe. Well, I mean, that's easily refuted. Just play the devil's advocate. Let's assume that's true. Okay. So if that's true, then they've been doing that for hundreds of years before um, the exodus. Why is it they didn't have boils until that time? See, and they were trying to say that, well, Moshe knew the area very well, and he knew the tide pools for the Yam Suf, the Red Sea. Well, and they said the Red Sea was just basically like a big stream or something like that, a big creek, not really a sea. Well, if it was just a big creek, what would tide pools have to do with people <laughs> drowning in it? It would be impossible to drown in a small creek like that. So yeah. I think that you know anybody who tries to prove that any of these are scientific is gonna fall flat on their face. Yeah, I agree. And that's all I've got to say.
0: <laughs> all right. <clears throat> all right, Chiggy, you're going to share something? All right. You need I mic. Chiggy's going to share over here. Exodus 10, chapter 10, verse 1.
5: The Lord said to Moses, Come to Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, in order that I may place these signs of mine in his midst. The name of this week's Torah portion, Bo, means come. Another way to translate Bo is enter or penetrate. The Zohar states that Moses was commanded to enter room after room, penetrating to the very core of Pharaoh's palace. The Zohar continues and says that Moses was scared of this command who's overwhelmed by the command that required him to confront evil at its very core. To reassure Moses, Hashem told him to come, or in Hebrew, bo, meaning Hashem was already there and he would stand by Moses as he confronted Pharaoh. This command contains both the push of personal action and the reward of having Hashem's guidance. Moses had to go to Pharaoh on his own, but Hashem was waiting there to support him while he faced Pharaoh. This duo is shown in the many challenges in our lives today. We must penetrate to the core of all the challenges we face. It it is understandable that we would be scared to do that, because if we weren't, then it's not a real challenge. And yet we should do it anyway. We have the power to overcome any challenge because Hashem will always be waiting to stand with us. And once we see that Hashem is there supporting us, the challenge won't be so scary anymore. Hashem encourages us to push ourselves while also supporting us through it all. Hashem is the one that gives us strength. We just have to make sure that we take the first few steps.
3: I could say something. All right. Uh, probably one of uh, Rabbi Sack's best essays that I like um, is, based, is off this uh, portion. And he starts out by talking about how, um, you know, the ten plagues struck and the people were the first to understand Pharaoh was the last, that God was on the side of, of freedom and human dignity. And that you cannot build a nation, however strong your police or army by enslaving some for the benefit of others, history will turn against you as it has every tyranny known to mankind. And so <clears throat> he sets it up as, you know, the times arrive arrived for the Israelites to be free. Uh, they're on the brink of the release. And, you know, of all the things that Mo- Moses could talk about at this time, he could talk about, you know, uh, the liberty, the breaking of their chains, the end of their slavery. He could have talked about the destination that they are going to uh a land with milk and honey he could have he could have talked about any of those things um but what he ends up talking about is he ends up speaking about children and the duty essentially to pass on the memory of the of, uh, to the generations that are, are yet to come so three times in this when he talks he says you know when your children say to you what does the ceremony mean to you and he, when he's telling them to keep the passover sacrifice he says uh, on that day, tell your son, I do this because of what Hashem did for me when I came out of Egypt. And uh, another time, when your son asks you what it means, with the mighty hand, Hashem brought us out of Egypt for the land of slavery. So, <clears throat> you know, being about to, to gain their freedom, and whether people realize this or not, is, you know, Ju- Judaism has been huge on, on uh, education and uh, throughout all history. So essentially, it's like they're told to become a nation of educators, and this is they say this is what made Moshe a uh, not just a great leader, but a unique one, and that, he, that the Torah is teaching that, is, that freedom is won, not on the battlefield or in the political arena or in the courts, national, international, but in the human imagination and will. To defend a country, you need an army, but to defend a free society, you need schools. You need f- families and an education system in which ideals are passed on from one generation to the next, never lost, despaired of, or obscured. There has never been more a profound understanding of freedom. It is not difficult, um, Moses was saying, to gain liberty, but to sustain it is the work of a hundred generations. Forget it and you lose it. Obviously, we see, you know, I, I, the times we're in now is, is, is pretty abhorrent, you know, um, we, we kind of slide on one thing and it goes for a, for a long time. Freedom These three institutions, parenthood, education, and memory. You must tell your children about slavery and a long journey to liberation. They must annually taste the bread of affliction and the bitter herbs of slave labor. They must know what oppression feels like if they were to fight against it in every age. And so Jews became the people whose passion was education, whose citadels were schools, and whose heroes were teachers. And uh, so learning come with Torah is the very foundation of Judaism, the guardian of our heritage and hope. And that is why when tradition conferred on Moses the greatest honor, it did not call him our hero, our prophet, or our king. It simply called him Moshe Rabbeinu, Moses our teacher. For it is in the origin, arena of education that the battle for the good society is lost or won. So, so. It's, it's good to teach
0: have children. I mean Pesach. The, the whole Pesach is geared for kids. One year we did just a kids. It was more fun, you know, more. Kid. I don't think I don't think the adults would have enjoyed it, but we at that time we all had all we had was kids around. Us. <laughs> all right, um, let us. Let us do the closing blessings and things. Let us turn to page seventy seven for the um for Psalm one